edge in the social media realm. I'm Vinny, and on this episode, I am joined by motivational speaker Cliff Quicksell of Cliff Quicksell and Associates to discuss getting over your fears of public speaking. Cliff, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Vincent. I appreciate you thinking of me, and I appreciate you be- letting me be here. And Absolutely. Yeah. I've known you for a while. I think I met you for the first time at one of the shows, uh, but I've known about you f- since I've been here 15 years, uh, and I've never had a chance to interview interview you, so I'm excited for this. Um, before we get started with the questions, uh, and for those who may not know who you are, I don't know how anyone in this industry might not know who you are, uh, can you tell us who you are, how you found yourself in this industry, um, you know, and basically what you do? Well, I'm uh, right now I, I, I do consulting, I do uh, speaking, I'm a writer, um, I'm a blogger, uh, and I've, I found myself in this industry years ago. It was pretty interesting. Um, I was dating a young lady whose dad had a promotional business. I was working for an Anheuser-Busch wholesaler at the time, and uh, I was just fascinated by the, by the business. Um, I'm, you know, full transparency. When I came into it, I was a, I was a trinket and trash guy. There's no question. But uh, you know, I just got the vibe, and I was doing my best to help her grow her business uh, because I had a lot of hospitality and restaurant accounts that I was working with. And um, eventually, she said, "Well, why wouldn't you come work for us?" And I was like, "Yeah, that would that would be that sounds good." So I, I took a cut in salary. I was in love. And uh, she was, she's a sweetheart. She's still in the industry. Uh, I, I, I adore her. She's a really nice person. And, um, you know, it, we just kind of parted company. And therefore, I uh, started my own business. And then from there, it just kind of blossomed to doing what I'm doing now. So how long have you been in the promo industry? Uh, this year will be 40 years. Oh, wow. Wow. You are a veteran. That's for sure. That's nice of you to say it that way. <laughs> I'm a veteran too, 15 years, but uh, there's a lot of longevity in this industry. And I think it speaks volumes about the industry. Uh, people love it. I've met so many great people. I, I know people in this industry who have left it and have come back, you know, because they're like, man, I missed it so much. Uh, the relationships that you forge in this industry, uh, people you meet, it's just, it's just a wonderful industry to be in. It's like a vortex, man. It just kind of yeah. like, just sucks, sucks you back. You in. It's, it's great. That's right. Um, so I have to ask you about your name, man. When I first saw your name, I said, there's no way that's really Cliff's name, Quicksell. Like, it's almost too good to be true. Is that your real name? It actually is. I'm a, I'm actually a junior. So you know, if you're going to blame anybody, blame my pops. But uh, no, I was born and raised with it. And it has been a blessing at some level and a curse at others, for sure. Yeah, because I when I first met you and I and I went to one of your uh, sessions and I was like, wow, he's really good at this. He's, he's a born salesman. He can sell himself. He can sell what he's, what he's preaching. And I was like, quick sell like that. No, that can't be his real name. But then I found out it's your real name. And I was like, man, talk about being born into a name that, you know, you have to live up to. And you've done that. Absolutely. It's a hurdle you have to overcome on, on occasion for sure. So let's talk about your career as a motive a motivational speaker. When did you know you wanted to be one and did it come naturally or did you have to work at it? Well, I, you know, I think any craft that, that you, you know, that's like saying, you know, you're, you know, you're a Van Gogh. Did it come natural to him? I mean, you know, you have this burning desire. I'm sure there's a lot of paintings he threw out, uh, you know, and that he thought were terrible, but no, I mean, I, I got into this. It was interesting when, 
uh, PPAI had their show when it was SAAI. And a lot of people don't remember those days. That was way back in the day. Uh, I remember going up to Natalie Towns at the Pia Towns at the time. And I said, I'd love to speak. And she's like, what do you want to speak on? And I told her, uh, you know, innovation and creativity. She goes, okay. So she made me take this course that they were offering so that I could be a presenter in the industry. And I just fell in love with it. I remember listening to Steve Slack talk and Mm -hmm. like, um, so I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I heard that I was just fascinated that they were sharing this. They, they were willingly sharing this information about what they did. And I'm thinking, you know what? I mean, I'm not as smart as those guys at this point, but I'd love to. I have some really cool things about innovation and creativity I'd love to share. And so I was given the opportunity and literally I've been speaking in this industry globally uh, for I mean, I just have an opportunity just the other day. Uh, somebody wants to hire me to go down to South Africa and speak. So, you know, I've been I've been around the world speaking, and I absolutely am passionate about it, and I love it. I just absolutely love it. So, getting in front of an audience has never been an issue for you. No, I, I don't want to say that. I mean, you know, I know that uh, you and I were talking off camera at one point, and you were talking about n- nerves, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know what? I think that everybody has a little bit of angst and nervousness. And I would tell you that my speaking coach told me that that's natural. That's Mm -hmm. normal. But I think that I'm not nervous about giving a presentation. I think it's almost a nervous energy that I can't wait to get started. Sure. Right. And so, you know, things like that, you know, and I think that's a natural thing and it's a good thing to have those nerves. Right. And I think uh, when I first started doing this, I, you know, I talked to a few people about getting in front of a camera, getting in front of an audience. And the best advice that I got was as long as you know what you're talking about, you should be fine. You know, it's, it's when you get up in front of an audience, you're really not prepared. Like when someone says to you, hey, come up here and say a few words, that's when you're just like, oh, my God, what am I going to say? But if you're you know, preparing for something such as uh, a live stream or getting in front of an audience and talking, if you're prepared, I think that's half the battle in terms of, of making sure that whatever nerves you have aren't as bad as, as what you think they could be. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. So let me ask you, what is the largest physical audience that you've ever been in front of? I want to say about 3,000. Oh, wow. And uh, just last week uh, at Expo, I was, uh, I mean, my class had over 500 in it. So, okay, yeah. So they, um, and you know, it, it's interesting at the, one of the ASI, I think the ASI show that I did in, or uh, Chicago last year, I was, you know, it wasn't, it was packed. It must've been right. over 200, 250 people in there. So that was a, uh, it's always a good thing when you see people coming in to fill a room like that For as sure. a speaker. Right. And, you know, of course, uh, it'll ramp up your nerves. But I always say that the more people in a room, I always feel more comfortable when there's more people. I, I kind of like, you know, look towards the back. You know, I find something to focus on and I kind of speak when there's only like 10 people, 15 people, which I've had in an audience. It's a little bit more daunting because you kind of feel like, you know, each one's eyes are on you. But when you have such a large crowd, I spoke in front of about 100 people. Uh, in Orlando uh, or Chicago, one of those. And I felt a little bit more comfortable in front of a bigger crowd, uh, yeah. but still nervous. You know, the nervous energy comes out uh, and you can't wait to get started, like you said. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly when you have, you know, five or six. I mean, I have done classes where I've done an eight hour class or only two people showed up. Mm. Um, and, you know, that when you have that happen, you know, you just have to pivot and you make the best of it. But I, I I'll tell you a, a quick, funny story. I was in a class and this guy I walk in and this guy stands up and he's like, it was like 30 people. He's like, oh, my God, you, you this guy, you can't wait to hear him. He's blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Just, uh, and I'm not lying to you. He's in the front row and I'm standing like right in front of him. And you hear, he falls oh. asleep right before I started speaking. Oh. So, so what do you do with that? You know, every, my mic picked it up. People start giggling and I, you know, so you have to be extemporaneous. And I just sure. said, well, he's heard this part before, so don't worry about it. So it, it, it got a good chuckle, but uh, things like that happen. Yeah, it's for sure. Crazy. For sure. And a lot of times when you have a script, when you have a script in place, which, you know, a lot of people do, they have a script, they follow it. There are things that happen off, you know, they're going to take you off script, such as somebody falling asleep uh, in front of you. What do you do? Are you intimidated? Do you take it personally? Or are you just, hey, maybe this person's just tired. You know, it's like it's a long day at the show. They're walking the floor. They didn't they went out drinking last night. They're just tired. Right. Absolutely. So so basically just of this conversation I wanted to have is that, you know, I've been, I've been doing live streams. I've been doing presentations for a bunch of years now. Uh, I still get nervous. And the first time that I did it, uh, I was very nervous. I, you know, I still have the nervous energy to do these things, but I looked up stats because it seems like everybody that I talk to ha has some sort of fear of, of, of public speaking. And then it actually, the numbers are like 73% of the U S population suffers from what's called glossophobia or a fear of public speaking. So for anybody in our industry, what advice would you give them um, if they suffer from this? I mean, I think most of us can say, hey, we do, we're nervous. We don't, we, we're intimidated. We have imposter syndrome. We don't want to get in front of an audience and speak. We don't want to do social media uh, in front of a live stream or a camera. What advice would you give to them? Well, I think that you gave some great advice earlier, and that is preparation. You know, know your material. You know, if, if you know the material that you want to talk about, and I don't care what it is, if you know the material, it makes it easier. One of the things that I found that was really helpful for me is because as a speaker, you're always trying new things, new introductions, maybe maybe telling a joke on how is it going to an audience going to react to it. I highly recommend that people join Toastmasters. And you know, I don't what's, get any. I don't get any. Toastmasters. In. Well, Toastmasters is an organization, and they have them all over the world, actually. And it's a place where you can go to learn to, how to be a better speaker, uh, how to be a better communicator. Uh, they have a leadership track as well. But from the speaking standpoint, I found it it's an excellent, safe environment because everybody else is there to learn and to grow. And so I found that if I'm going to try a new introduction that I'm going to try it at a Toastmasters meeting because I'm going to be critiqued by the other Toastmasters there that are going to be able to give me some really good feedback. I'll give you a really good example. I never realized this, but I have a tendency, I used to have a tendency to put my hands in front of my face when I would talk. And at the Toastmasters meeting, they said, you know, that was a great presentation, but the distraction was you have your hand in front of your mouth. 
And I and it was one of those unconscious things that I was sure. doing. And boy, what a great bit of advice that I got so that I could now work on that. So I keep my I try to keep my hands out here when I'm talking right. as opposed to up here and near my face. So I, that would be so preparation, knowing your material uh, and and, you know, practicing. And like I said, Toastmasters is a great place. But one of the things that I think that a lot of time what people try to do is they try to be something that they're not. Okay. And I just encourage people, be authentic. Because I can tell you that if you try to fake it, the audience sees it. So if you know, if you you have a silly nature, like I'm I'm sure you know Jay Bussell. Sure. Jay's a great, one of my dearest friends, a great guy. But you know, he and Jeff Solomon do this taco thing. Tacos, of course. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah. But, you know, they talk about serious stuff, but it's but it's just right. his nature to be that way. So if you think that and I'm, I'm saying I, he may have these type of followers, but, you know, he's very laid back. That's right. the type of audience he's trying to attract. And he does an amazing he and Jeff do an amazing job with that. But if you're trying to uh, try to get the CEO of Coca-Cola on there, that might not be the that might not be the best track or way to go about mm-hmm. it but he doesn't care i mean that's that's his shtick that's his that's his mantra so authenticity practice um getting a good coach if you can and i would say the coaching is with the toastmasters uh i think that uh, doing all those things in in combination with one another uh you can't miss i love that advice and you know you mentioned earlier about telling a joke. I think an icebreaker is also a very good way to, you know, especially when you're doing a live presentation, uh, get the audience engaged, you know, get them thinking, having fun. Uh, not everything has to be business. Uh, you can have fun with what you're doing. And like you mentioned, uh, Jay Vassell, they talk about serious issues, but they package it in this fun, um, entertaining way. You know, they're, you know, they talk about tacos. Jay's a big fan of tacos. Uh, Jeff's a big fan of tacos and they have fun with it. Uh, you know, they entertain. I know some of my issues when I, when I present, I say, you know, and then I, I, I do it a lot, but it's one of those things that it's also authentic. And I also try to preach to people when you're authentic, people are going to look past the ums and the, you know, it's like, sometimes that is just the normal part of conversation and people won't even hear it if you're authentic. Right. You know, there's a I'm I'm a member of NSA, which is the National Speakers Association. And I was at one of their influence meetings. And I'll never forget this one speaker came out and I I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. I would love to give him credit. But he said, done is better than perfect. And I'll never forget that. And to your point, people do people understand that this is you know, this isn't normal for people to want to get out in front and talk to people. But if you've got a good message and you're authentic, people will listen. Absolutely. And you Absolutely. don't have to be born speaker. Uh, you know, no. like a lot of people think that you're a born speaker. But again, you work at it. If you know your material and you, you are genuine and authentic in your approach about presenting it, I think people will embrace it. Um, we have a comment on LinkedIn from Heidi Selleck. She says, Thank you, Cliff, for being real. I get so much from you. Love seeing you at Vernon's national sales meeting last year. Yeah, that was that was an absolute blast. I mean, that what a what a great organization. Yeah, they're an absolute blast. No question. 
So if you have a comment or question, you know, feel free to drop it in whether or not you're on LinkedIn or Facebook and we'll try to read them uh, on air or if not, we will get to them after uh, the presentation. Uh, now, Cliff, I mentioned social media, social media, uh, you know, with the live streams, there is now this element of public speaking, you know, getting in front of a camera. Now, look, it's an indirect way to do things like you and I right now are in front of an audience, even though it looks like we're just speaking to each other. There are people watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, and people get nervous. What advice would you give to anybody who, you know, wants to get onto social media and doing live streams, but are hesitant? Probably the same or same advice about doing in-person public speaking, but what about uh, social media? I, I would say that the two are the same, you know, pretty much, yeah. Preparation, practice. It's like before we started, uh, you know, you had given me a, a few questions that you might ask. You know, what did I do this morning? I printed them out. I thought about what you were going to say. I jotted down a few notes. I thought about it. You know, what would make sense? What would resonate with the audience? And so, you know, I'm not I'm not sitting here reading verbatim. Sure. But I, you know, but the thing is, I, I have an idea of where you wanted to take it. Mm -hmm. It's like if, uh, you know, if you're doing a a podcast, or if you're going to do a social po post that's uh, video related, you know, keep it short, keep it succinct, right. keep it, keep it so that it has a lot of impact. The one thing that I like doing is I like asking questions, mm -hmm. you know, leave, leave the audience with a question, you know, and then all of a sudden now all, you now start to create, um, you, it's almost like creating a call to action. Now you're creating that synergistic conversation that you're looking for. So I just think the planning portion is really critical. Uh, just being authentic and and just practicing it. And you know what? A lot, you know, I have I have a lot of friends of mine. Oh, I'm going to set this studio up and all that. Uh, dude, you need a cell phone. That's it. Right. Right. You know, I, I bought this thing the other day. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's great. And I use it at the shows when I'm, I record my presentations. It plugs into your cell phone or an iPad. It's a transceiver and it has a wireless mic that will record up to 60 feet away. Right. So I just say, yeah. get get us get a smartphone, plug it in and just practice. And I love that you bring up the, um, the technology portion. And I think there's a social media um end of this that we talk about doing live streams that involves technology and again imposter syndrome and i talk about imposter syndrome as well in, in this podcast often when 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 you have your own business you're a distributor you're a supplier you know your business very well and i think the apprehension when it comes to social media when you're using something that you're not familiar with is that you you shouldn't be doing this because you don't know it that well and I think you have to get past that imposter syndrome and the, the technology and say, look, I can figure out how to do this. And like you mentioned, you could just do it with a phone. Uh, we're using we're using a software called BeLive. We're, we're, we're streaming this, but you can actually do what we're doing through, just through your phone. Once you get past that anxiety of the technology and figuring that out, you know your business. You know what you're speaking about. Get past those butterflies. Get past those fears. You are your business. And if you want to get in front of people and talk about your business, educate them, help them with their with their problems, absolutely social media should be just like speaking in front of a physical audience. 
You know, it's interesting you should say about the technology thing and how, how real, you know, what's really crazy, Vincent? It is so simple now to do this stuff. And I mean, mm -hmm. they just made it so simple. I mean, I have a podcast mic right here. I have all that, the headphones. Right. But, you know, for this exercise, I don't need it. Right. 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 But, you know, it's interesting. We talk about technology. I remember my son. He's a uh, God love him. He's a Navy pilot. And I called him up while he was in uh, OCS. I said, can you help me set up my 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 GoPro? He goes, oh, my God, you've had that thing for a year and you haven't done anything with it. He goes, just go to YouTube. And Dad, he goes, you'll figure it out in two minutes. And he's huh. right. And so if you're if you have any angst about how to do things, just Google it. Go to right. YouTube and figure it out. Right. It's so simple. It really is. And I know that a lot of people get hung up in technology with whether you're doing a physical presentation, if you have overhead slides or whether or not you, you know, you have, um, you're doing a live stream. And I think, again, preparation is key. If you have to get to the presentation, the physical presentation early, make sure you go through the slides. The technology is set up correctly. I think once you know that that's being handled, and you don't have to worry about that. You can focus on the presentation. I think that's, that's going to be half your battle there. Yeah. You know, one of the other things I would suggest to people that if you're going to be, I mean, I have a whole slide deck on the uh, how to use PowerPoint properly. You know, I think sometimes and I just want to throw this out there. I think sometimes people get shackled to that PowerPoint and I use it all the time, but I only use it as a reference. Right. You know, so right. if you ever see me pre present, I have the screen yep. in front of me. So I'm just looking at it and it's just triggering ideas sure. on the screen. So people that do large blocks of copy, you're going to lose the audience. A couple bullet points on mm -hmm. there that you that just going to trigger something that you can talk a little bit longer on. It's that's critical. And a lot of visuals help. Yeah, I look. I love that you gave that advice because I've seen too many presentations where people are reading verbatim right off of the slides. And you're right, you lose the audience because they could just read that slide. They don't even need you. They, those should be points of references to, to talk about what it is you're talking about, but they, you shouldn't be reading those slides. And, and the same thing with social media. When I'm doing this, I have my questions for you. I've, you know, I've got them out there, but you know what? We could go in directions that aren't even on the script. And that's, I think that's a, a great presentation. When you can go into directions that are outside of what the original script was based on a number of things, audience engagement, there are questions, you and I have, have a conversation and it leads to something that's not on the script. Those are the conversations and the presentations I think people are most interested in. Absolutely. And, I'm, and, I, and I think that that lends itself, Vincent, to the authenticity of it. If mm -hmm. it sounds rote, people are going to pick up on it. But totally. right when all of a sudden you're talking and then to your point, you go down a little bit different path and you as the host, it's your job to rail people like me back in. Right. But, but, you know, but at the thing, same time, I think it really does lend to the authenticity and the, the free flow of the, the presentation. hundred yeah. percent. Again, I'm talking to Cliff Quicksell from Cliff Quicksell Associates. And I have a few more questions that are on the script. And then I have a few questions for you that are off script. So, uh, any final advice for anyone who has a fear of public speaking? Uh, you know, I think we covered it, you know, mm -hmm. just but I would say the best thing to do is just if you really want to do it, just get started, mm -hmm. you know, try it. And I I have um, I have a friend of mine who I consider my speaking coach, uh, Jeff Tobe. He's an he's an amazing speaker. And uh, 
I've been to his clinics before and he just gives you really sound advice. And, you know, I, here's another one. You made, you said this earlier, if you're ever in a, in a, uh, in a situation where you have to get up and present, find the friendly couple friendly faces in the audience and look at them and talk to them. They're going to give you affirmation when you're doing that. And that's going to help. The other thing is if you're uncomfortable where, you, you know, because they say you need to have audience eye, eye contact, mm -hmm. look right above somebody's head. It looks like you're looking right at them, right, right. but you're looking over them. And the other bit of advice I think Jeff gave me, I thought it was great. He goes, people would prefer you to be up there than them. Sure. So with that, that comfort level, you know, and look, I've had, can I share one more other story? Oh yeah, go for it. So, um, I, I, I've had one major flub that I was, and, and I didn't even know how to handle it. This is early on in my career, but I was speaking uh, at one of the regional associations and I was supposed to be speaking on something like innovation and creativity or whatnot. And it was a dinner uh, engagement. So I get up as I'm sitting there, I'm, I'll never forget. I was sitting next to Bob Letterer. He's this, he's right. an old timer in the industry, yep. great guy. And I'm sitting there, and as the woman is announcing, this is Cliff Quicksilver. He's going to be speaking on fly fishing in Montana. I mean, it was like so off the rail of what, huh. what I signed up to do. And I got up there, and I could see Bob Letterer just going like, "Come on, you got this." <laughs> and I I totally totally blanked. It was the worst presentation that I ever gave. Oh man! But, but I think uh, I think we all have probably similar stories. And I think a story like that uh, is probably in the back of the minds of a lot of people who, who no longer want to do that. You know, they had a bad experience. It's hard for them to get over that. And, and I like the advice that you gave, gave about looking at for friendly faces. That's what I do. I, I look for people who I, I want, who are engaged, they're smiling, they're nodding. Uh, you don't want to look at that one person who's just like, like you said, maybe asleep. Their their head's back. Maybe they're looking at they're looking at their phone. It's like, what do you got? Like that's intimidating. Then it's like they're not paying attention. Then you you sort of get into your own head, and and if that doesn't work, like find a point of reference in the back. I, I always look for like maybe the door in the back. You know, I'll look at the door. I'll look over here. I'll look over here. And like you said, people think you're looking at them when you when in in actuality you're looking above their heads. You're looking at other points of references. So right. uh, I think that's great advice. Uh, and everyone, I think, you know, has a bad experience or thinks that they're going to have a bad experience if they do it. And well, you, well, you, but the reality is you're going to have bad experiences. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what do you what's the takeaway? You know, Michael Jordan once said, I, I, I he goes, I, I, I forget what he said. He goes um, something about he fails every day of his life, but that's what makes him great. Right. I mean, so what's the takeaway? So I go back to that situation when I was speaking at the regional and said, what would I have done differently? If I'd got up there again and said that, I might have said, I don't know anything about fly fishing, but I know a lot about creativity. So let's talk about that tonight. Right. That and would, I, yeah. And, and I, I like to make the, you know, the baseball analogy that if you're successful 30% of the time, you know, swinging a bat, you're, you could end up in the Hall of Fame. That means you fail 70% of the time. 70% of the time you're making an out in baseball, you know, for the most part. A really good hitter, 30, 32%, you know, and that 
Think about that. 32% success rate is low, but in that sport, it's, it's actually high. You have to think about it like that, you know, and, and I'm, you know, certainly make the sports analogies here, but uh, yeah, that's one that, that I live by. You're going to fail and you're going to learn from it. And the next time you're going to take that lesson and you're going to move on and hopefully be better for it. You know, the, the famous Seth Godin, I would love to meet him sometime, but I'm telling you, I love this one quote. He says, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. You know, I know, and, I know his stuff and that's one of my favorites too. Yeah. If you just embrace the idea that, you know what, it's not going to be, I mean, there's a lot of situations that people are put in every single day that it's very uncomfortable, but you know what? We survive. It's what mm -hmm. we do. So, you know, again, I look at it, you know, what could be, what is the positive takeaway when there's an issue? And if you look at it that way, that's what, you know, it's like that whole concept of Kaizen, you know, you're just practicing on how self-improvement constantly. And that's the, that's the only thing you can do with this. Yep. Point. Yep. Great advice, Cliff. Now you're going to be a show Fort Worth next week, correct? I, I am. And can you give us a little bit, uh, you know, a hint on what you're going to be talking about there? Yeah, I'm really, really excited. I'm doing two sessions, and I would love to say thank you to ASI for giving me this platform uh, to speak at their shows because uh, it's phenomenal. But I'm doing one on building a self-promo campaign from the ground up. Okay. And the, the other one I'm doing is uh, packaging for profit, implementing the most underused sales, I mean, tool in your sales, on your, in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. So... I'm, I'm passionate about both of those things, uh, about doing creative marketing and also the uh, the packaging aspect. Yeah. And if you're if you want to go, uh, go to ASIShow.com. You can find out more information to see Cliff in Fort Worth. Now, Cliff, I have to I've got a few questions I want to ask you. They're completely all unscripted here. And I just wanted to throw this out. This is something new I added uh, in 2023 to my podcast. Well, hold on, let me let me have a drink here. <laughs> so. My first question, what occupation other than your own do you think you would be really good at? Photography. Okay. Okay. So you're uh, you're somebody who uh, is an amateur shutterbug or you, is that something you do on the side? I, I, I'm an, I'm an amateur, much to the chagrin of my, my, my lovely daughter and my son who think that I'm Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, <laughs> who, excuse me. They think, I think I'm Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, they give me, they give me crap all the time about it. That when you take a picture, you don't have to put your hat backwards. It's funny. But um, <laughs> so you take I get it, into it. You get into it. it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So if you could have coffee with one historical figure that are alive, who would it be? Wow. Well, you did catch me off the gut. There's so yeah. many that I would like to talk to. Um you know, I think that, you know, off the top of my head, I think that I would really love to have a cup of coffee with a gentleman. I don't know if he's famous, but he's famous to me. And that is a guy named Sir Ken Robinson. Uh, he did a an amazing TED Talk mm -hmm. on how our school system is mining the creativity out of our children. Hmm. And it was it was not only was it absolutely brilliant. But and it was funny on top of it all. But I just find that the way those creative people, their minds work, it fascinates me. Just now, was this recent? 
Uh, I think his TED Talk was probably it's on it's on TED Talks right now. But it's it, if you get a chance to listen to it, it is absolutely mind blowing. So awesome. anybody, his name again? Uh, his name is Sir Ken Robinson. Okay. okay. So him, I mean, I could give you a list of creatives that I'd love to talk to, but uh, <laughs> you know, the guy, the Roger Von Oak, that wrote a book called A Whack on the Side of the Head. Hmm. Great, great book on creativity. Oh wow. So, and Seth Godin, of course. Of course. I'm, if you're yeah. listening, Seth, let's uh, let's have a virtual coffee. So. I'll tag him on the archive. Um, and my final question to you: Who is going to win Super Bowl Fifty Seven? Who's in it? Nobody yet. There's a whole bunch of teams left, but I was wondering if if you had a you know a favorite at this at this point. Are the Eagles going to do it? Are the Buffalo Bills? Well, if I want to keep my longevity going with ASI and speaking, I'm going to say the Eagles. You're going to say the Eagles? <laughs> well, they're, I got to say they're the, the odds-on favorite right now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really good teams left, but, you know, I would argue for them or San Francisco or potentially Buffalo Bills, if John Norris is listening, I'm sure he is uh, like it, that. Vincent, to be honest with you, I'm not a, I'm not a football fan. Okay. So if you ask me who's going to win the national championship in lacrosse next year for, and I would probably say my alma mater, Maryland, for sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's good to know. Um, you know, it's uh, look, you know, Super Bowl is something that we don't know who the two teams are going to be yet, but uh, maybe I'll ask you when, uh, when we have those two teams. Well, anyway, Cliff, thank you for your time today. It's been a wonderful conversation. I've learned so much from you. Uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how can they do so? They can go to www.quicksellspeaks.com. All my contact information is there. Love to connect. Awesome. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, I just want to, I, I would, would like to say to everybody out there, believe in yourself. I see so many people that just don't give themselves enough credit. 2023, despite all of the nonsense that's going on in the world, just focus, believe in yourself. And I promise you, I've worked with so many people that have started out that way that are doing remarkable things because they start to believe. And so I, I'm, I'm passionate about people, about people's success. And I'm just, um, I'm just hoping that uh, everybody has a, a splendid 2023 that's profitable and healthy. So that's what that's what I would like to say. Great parting words from Cliff Quicksell. Cliff, again, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a great conversation, very insightful. And I can't wait to take these uh, these lessons uh, into my future presentations and live streams. Yeah, well, I hope to see you in Fort Worth. I'm not going to Fort Worth this year, but maybe Chicago. Maybe okay, I'll see man. You Chicago. I'll, I'll see you there. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for All your right. time, Cliff. All right, brother. Thank you, everyone.